Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop pregame show for the week three matchup versus the FCS Sanford Bulldogs. Oh, wrong thing. That's what I wanted to pull up. There we go. And let's see. Where, there we go. Getting everything ready for the show as it's being recorded. But yeah, back, welcome back. Week three, Sanford. Auburn is now 2-0 and as they get ready to play a FCS powerhouse, if you will, in the Sanford Bulldogs. I am here joined today by Harrison Tarr and John Conley, yet again wearing another hat as he has been watching film on the Sanford Bulldogs. Tar, how you doing, buddy? I am doing well. Game day eve. Happy game day eve to those who celebrate. And for those of you who are going back to town for homecoming, welcome home. So make sure, uh, really excited to see the pictures of all the floats, homecoming parades. Super fun. I went every year when I was in school. Um, so if, you never, if you've never been, make sure you go check that one out. John Conley is back on the show. That's what everybody's most excited about, myself included. John, how are we doing today, my friend? Oh, we're doing great. We're we're doing great. We're excited to be here. I'm super pil- uh, pumped to break down this game and uh, a game that I, I really think up to now, this third week of the season, after what we've seen these past two weeks, this game I think is really important for Auburn. Yes, it's Samford, but I, I think this game to be really important going into conference play next week. Well, since you already brought it up, let's get into it. And, and I'll let you lead to, to your importance or wh- why you find this game so important for the Tigers. And then talk to me a little bit about what the Tigers need to do um, to and, and what you want to see out of, out of Hugh Freeze and company come Saturday when FCS opponent and in-state foe Sanford comes to Dirtner Stadium. Yeah, so pretty much with, with this team uh, in, in this week, why it's so important is, is we've looked at the past two weeks of Auburn football and, and specifically this past week at Cal, and things just looked weird right? Like the play calling was weird on offense. You know, defense had its moments, but also had just kind of some some weird spots. It was a very, very strange game for Auburn. And so if you are Auburn, you have a great opportunity right here against Samford to just let, completely put that all to rest and just say, hey, this is a new team. We're going to start a new. We're going to lay a foundation down right here that hopefully will carry on into conference play, especially next week when you go up to College Station. Right on offensively let's let's talk about the offensive side of the ball and the hot subject this week has been the incorporation of Robbie Ashford into into this offense but from a holistic standpoint Mr. Conley what does Auburn need to do to get the job done what do they need to look out for for the Sanford Bulldogs um I think the most important thing for Auburn is I know you guys have talked about it a lot do you stick with just Peyton Thorne as your only quarterback do you keep mixing in this two quarterback system I'm a firm believer that whoever your quarterback is you have to let them just be the quarterback. You can't keep rotating guys out and keeping them out of the rhythm. So this is what I want to see. I want to see whoever your quarterback one is, which as far as I know, and, and as far as I'm concerned, is Peyton Thorne. You just you, you make him feel comfortable. You have a game for Peyton Thorne where he looks like he should be quarterback one, where he looks comfortable. He makes the right throws. He airs it out a little bit. Like I, Out of this game, I want to see Peyton Thorne have some confidence that he's like, this is my team, and I know how to run this offense. I, I want to see him 
run this offense well, and it's not going to be hard. Um, this Sanford team does not really bring in a whole lot of pressure. You're going to have a lot of time in the pocket. They they play with a lot of DBs. They play six DBs uh, often in their packages. But this is if you're Peyton Thorne and if you are if you're Auburn if you're Hugh Freeze, you have a chance for for him to really grow his confidence here and say this can be my team. I can run this offense the way I run it. And and from then, hopefully he does that early on. You get Robbie Ashford in then let him kind of run this offense. But um, if if you go back to this back and forth where it's, it's first down with Peyton, second down with Robbie, and then you go third down back with Peyton again your team's going out of rhythm and your team's getting out of that. And so what I want to see is I want to see just a strong performance from Peyton Thorne to start. And then Robbie Ashford and your other quarterbacks as the game progresses. Now from, from the run game perspective, let's call a spade a spade here, fellas. Auburn was a little underwhelming on Saturday against Cal. Um, when, when you look at that running back room and, and how highly we've talked about it, how highly I've talked about it, certainly. What can Auburn accomplish on the ground? I know you mentioned you want to see Peyton Thorne air the ball out a little bit, but you really want to see a bounce back game for this running back core. What can Auburn do on the ground to really, one, make this a short game, uh, and two, and impose their will on the Sanford defense? Yeah, so for Auburn, their big thing is they need to run between the tackles. And you've got some hard-nosed backs, whether it's Brian Batie, whether it's Jarquez Hunter, uh, whether it's Sean Jackson. Like you, you have a stable of running backs run in between the tackles, play hard-nosed football. Again, like I said, outside, they play with a lot of DBs. They play with a lot of linebackers. So those outside zones that you're going to see kind of pull into the right, to the left side or to the right side, that can work sometimes. But I really think if you can just go in between the tackles and in between the guard and the center in that A and that one gap, uh, and then if you're – especially if those safeties play deep and they're expecting some pass plays, you can, you can eat up this team. And again, today this this Saturday's game is all about just getting back in the swing of things and finding some sort of thing momentum that you can build on for conference play. Right on. Let's look to the other side of the ball real quick before Dylan chimes uh, gives his thoughts here in a second. I'm sure he's going to backtrack him in a minute about how he wants does want to see Robbie Ashford. But let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. What Auburn can do against this Sanford offense, and I think you may have a, a little bit of a take here about what the Sanford offense, what kind of a threat that they pose. Yeah, so this team struggled a little bit to run the ball against Western Carolina, and and they only scored seven points. It was thirty to seven. I will say it was a weird game. Uh, There were some weird calls that were that I believe that were missed. There was a massive rain delay that put Sanford completely out of rhythm because this Sanford team it was the best team in the SoCon last year, and I think it has a chance to repeat and win another SoCon championship. I mean, this team has some talent, especially at that FCS level. Um, The big thing with what you need to do on defense for uh, for this team is is l- shut down that pass game. Um, Michael Hires, I, this this is my take here. I think, and I truly believe this. I think that the best thrower of the football in next week's game or this week's game does not call Jordan Hare home. Um, I really, really like uh, Michael Hires. He's so poised. He has excellent pocket presence, great pocket awareness. He throws with anticipation. He does not throw to when the receiver's open, he throws to when the receiver's going to be open. Um, and there were times where I saw that, and it was on the money, and it was great. And then there were times where I saw it, and the ball would just go right through the receiver's hands. Or he he likes to throw, you know, uh, some contested one-on-ones where you just try to make a play. Uh, the, the bottom line is this team's going to air it out. And that's it's going to be completely different from what we've seen the past two weeks with Cal and with UMass. So for Auburn, 
really emphasize the fact that you have a really, really good secondary and shut down that pass game and force them to run because that is their weak spot on this offense. Dylan, I'm going to let you backtrack here in just a second and uh, for, for just a second and uh, pose any other questions, Mr. Conley, that you uh, you may have about this Sanford team. Dylan, floor short. Oh, I I, you made it sound like I had to wait a little I, bit. I, I, I misphrased it at first. That's why I backtracked for a second. I was like, uh, actually, I mean, you can right now. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and wait a little bit before I can bring up. Uh, I showed it for a second there, but Red Zone Robbie. Uh, Auburn needs to get back to how they were against UMass. And in this case, Auburn, we talk about how great this running back room is. I, I know that we've been very heavy on pushing how much we love this running back room. This team is yet to have gotten a 100-yard rusher in a game. Even in the fact the season has yet to get, to get one. Auburn needs to show that they can run the ball consistently. And this is a great team to get this. This is a practice. I don't want to call it a practice game, but you still have to, you still have to re- respect your opponent. Auburn has to travel to College Station next week. This game is a tune-up game to fix everything wrong with the offense as much as you can in a three-hour period. And I know you just brought up Michael Hayes, hires, hires or Hayes? Uh, hires. Hires. Being the best passer in uh, out of every quarterback that might play on, on Saturday, which might be the case because I've been very unimpressed with Peyton Thorne thus far. I think the two touchdowns he threw against Cal were less good, less of him putting the ball where it needed to be. The, the fair weather throw was beautiful, mm-hmm. but both of those touchdowns were the wide receiver making the, or tight end making the play. I need Peyton Thorne to prove to me that I should take a step back in my Robbie Ashford love. I need him to do that. And I mean, I've yet to have seen that he can do it. And people talk, I, I, and I got some comments about my, about my tweet. Uh, and if you hate me, hate me. I don't care. Peyton Thorne looked like a during the headlights against Cal. And this Auburn environment is going to be very, very high for homecoming. And then they have to travel to the biggest stadium in the SEC, let alone, I think, one of the top three in the country in terms of population inside the inside Kyle Field. Can Peyton Thorne prove to the Auburn fan base, because it's very split. As much as I'm getting hate from Peyton Thorne supporters, it's very split on who people think deserves to be the starting quarterback. Can Peyton Thorne prove to the fa- to the entire fan base they should put faith in Peyton Thorne as a, as a passer? And, I mean, honestly, I'm going to bring up Robbie Ashford because I love Robbie Ashford. Let Robbie Ashford throw the ball like he needs to. Do not call play-action rollouts without momentum. Do not call these deep balls to five foot ten wide receivers and expect him to make, to make a throw when – the Caleb Burton did, did not make a catch. I need to see consistency from these quarterbacks. And if Michael Hires goes out there and balls out and proves to proves John Conley right that he's the best quarterback on the field, there's a problem. Yeah, and then that's when Holden Gardner he's probably needs to be mentioned a little bit more. You're probably not wrong there. I think to summarize all this before we get into beyond the Auburn game on Saturday, and before we get to our picks. I think Auburn needs to go into week four in College Station and come out of this game with a quarterback one, period. If that's Peyton Thorne, great. If that's Robbie Ashford, great. If you're going into game four and you're starting your SEC slate and you still don't know who the hell your real your guy is, you got a problem because you can't win in this league like that. You can't win much, at least. It's, it's, it's tough to do. 
And I think that you guys summarized it perfectly. Um, if if Auburn doesn't have the best quarterback on the field on Saturday, which to your point, John, I, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're the best thrower of the football uh, wears orange and blue. But unless you want to throw in Holden Gurner, because I'm say maybe he does. He just won't play. That dude, that dude can throw the football. But you have a problem. Um, let's let's go around now. Let's give our game picks. Then we'll ask people if they're feeling loopy, and then we'll get over to. Uh, We'll get over to our around college Verbal football pickums. That's right. Mr. John Conley, the Swiss Army knife of the college loop. Um, I think that that's going to be your new name. I think that's what I'm rocking with is the Swiss Army knife, the college loop Swiss Army knife. First off, we appreciate you, brother. Always bringing the heat, and you're the man. Um, second off, what score this ball game on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening? Awesome. Uh, I appreciate always being here. I love I love being a part of this. It's been so much fun every time I get to come on. Um, and even when I'm not on getting to, to watch and, and get to be a part of it, it's been so much fun. Um, this should be a game that Auburn takes care of business. Again, I, I want to see Auburn play their best football this week to have momentum to roll into College Station. And so with that, I'm going to go with a like 63, I'm going to say 20, but with some garbage time, like five minutes left in the game, touchdown from Stanford. Um, I, I, I'm not, whenever I said that Michael Hires is the best thrower of the football, you have to take into effect, you know, circumstance, situational sure. type things. He is playing against Auburn. And he plays with your chest, brother. You can defend your take. I'm with you. Yeah. No, Sanford, uh, you know, Sanford does not have the talent that Auburn has. Um, I do believe that Michael Hires is, my is is the better best throw of the football in this field, but the supporting cast around him might cause those stats to slip. And that's an opportunity for Peyton Thorne to say, listen, Samford does not have the talent around them that you have around you. Take advantage of that. Have a great game. So I'm rolling with 63 to 20, some garbage time touchdown towards the end. And, and hopefully Auburn just plays complete football from kickoff to the final whistle. I like that, John. I'm I'm gonna go a little lower on Auburn's score. I'm gonna go 58, but I'm only gonna give Sanford seven. Um, and it's not a discredit to the Bulldogs as much as it's this. Like Dylan says, got to be a tune-up game. You've got to impose your will, and both sides of the ball have got to have some momentum going in to Kyle Field and Aggie Land next Saturday. And we'll have a completely different, I guess, view vantage point of this team after that weekend. But Dylan. The much-awaited Dylan Lark, your boy the tank take, your prediction for Auburn versus Samford, 6 p.m. Central Time under the lights. The light show, too. Uh, right. first, first game you get to see uh, the new light show and the new uh, on-the-field uh, stuff as well, I believe, right? Or did we see that against UMass? Did we see the on-the-field celebration? I don't think so. I wasn't. I left the, at the end of the quarter. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> well, so – I've been looking at this game, and I I love that Auburn does play Sanford every so often because uh, I do like Sanford is one of those teams I always forget is in Alabama. Um, and I always I thought they were in Georgia for the longest time of my of my life because it was just I don't know what it was. Just I think the Sanford Sanford confusion and the, the Bulldogs. I just assume that's the Georgia thing. <laughs> uh, so I I've been looking at this game, and I I think this is going to be a game where Hugh Freeze might find his way opening up the offense a little bit to kind of show. Hey, here's the playbook. Use it well because next week is going to be a whole other ball game. Yeah, and that's going to be a hard game for me to predict because if Auburn goes in Sanford and doesn't look like they've improved very much, I do not want to pick Texas A and M. I don't want to do it. 
I might just refuse to do it and just drink some Haterade and just pick Auburn anyways, no matter how they look. I think this is going to be a game where you need to utilize Peyton Thorne's arm as much as possible uh, and use Robbie Ashford's arm as well. I think you need to prove to me that the two quarterbacks, I will prove to the fan base more, uh, but me mostly, that Robbie Ashford is an implementable, implementable quarterback in this system in terms of both using his legs and his arm. Because you're not going to fool SEC defenses if you're just going to run quarterback power O four times in the red zone. That's going to get stuffed by every defense from here to Timbuktu, every FBS team. I need to see a 100-yard rusher in a game. If that's Robbie Ashford, fine. If it's Damari Austin, awesome. If it's Starquest 100 rushing 150, I need to see that too. I think Auburn's going to win this game. I'm going to give it 56 to 10. Like it. Love it. Want more of it. Got me feeling a little bit loopy, gentlemen. And if you're feeling loopy back at home, for our viewers, listeners, loop enthusiasts, you can pick up your very own Feeling Loopy t-shirt on the War Report website. That's www.thewarreport.com. Dylan just threw it up on the stream for those of you guys watching the YouTube version of the show. They are $25, and we certainly, certainly appreciate you for picking one up. They're five different colors. College Loop War Report Podcast Network co-branded feeling loopy t-shirt most comfortable shirt you'll ever wear 10 out of 10 john conley's recommend it and if they if they all do then that means you got to go grab one yourself gentlemen let's make our picks around the rest of college football dylan's got a lineup of mostly fun games of games of there are some of the games of all time this, this is this is the slate of the year this is one of the one slates of, of the year one of the 13 as john conley and i would say one of the slates of all time um so right Let's uh, let's let's get let's get to work on that one, uh, John. You are six and four. Well, hold on, Tar. You're forgetting something. Hmm. We need to know. Tell everybody that we keep everybody in the loop. We, we get in the loop. Let's get outside the loop for a second. There you go. <laughs> I can't believe you almost forgot. I did almost forget, but that's all right. All right, Dylan. Let's roll through these. All right, starting off, of course, John, you did go six and four. Uh, y'all doubted my picks in terms of picking Miami, who I've been very high on Miami ever since Mark Cristobal got there. And you're out here sleeping on Sarkeesian? That's wild. That's wild. Can't can't lie. But yes, uh, John, you went six and four last week, and I think it might count you as separately per week. Uh, whenever whatever hat you're wearing this week. Now, Today, you're John Conley Sanford edition. Uh, you still have to beat Johnny Deppin, who is still sitting at t- seven and three. Me and Tar, uh, Tar, I am a game behind you at 10 and 10. You were at 11 and nine. And if I just didn't trust my Blazers to, you know, not get whooped by the Georgia Southern Eagles, I probably would have been tied with you. But got to sucks. Two quick words uh, hail and Southern. So uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna roll I gave with that. you gave you a chance to get it in anyways, even though we weren't gonna pick Georgia Southern. <laughs> but to start off, we've got an 11 a.m. game. The Penn State Nittany Lions travel to Champaign, Illinois, to take on the Brett Bulema-led Illinois Fighting Illini. Penn State is currently a 14 and a half point favorite, and they are also my team that I have picked picked to win the national championship. So throw that out there as well, John. Who you got? Uh, this is pretty easy. Um, give me Penn State. This, yeah, Penn State cover. Yep. Oh, Penn State big cover. 
And then throw it over to the SEC. You got the LSU Tigers in their 14th ranked after losing to Florida, Florida State two weeks ago. Another team that I'm very high on this year. Travel to Davis Wade Stadium in Starkville, Mississippi. And LSU is a nine and a half point favorite over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I'll go ahead and start this one off. LSU, no cover. Time to uh, dust the cobwebs off the cowbells. We're gonna uh, we're gonna go with LSU, but yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they're gonna cover. I think this is gonna be a, a good close game. Yeah, I'm also gonna rock with the Tigers here. I do think this game is gonna be like y'all said. This might be a three to six point game. Uh, keeping it SEC, but throwing a little Big Twelve into the mix. You got the number fifteen ranked Kansas State Wildcats traveling to Columbia of the Missouri variety. Uh, to play the Missouri Tigers. Kansas State is only a four-point favorite against the Missouri Tigers. You know, I, I've gone back and forth on this game, but uh, I think K-State's good enough. And uh, I, I apologize to jo- a, friend of the, a friend of the program, a friend of John and I, Miss um, Caroline Roche, uh, the current junior at the University of Missouri, but I am going to take Kansas State no cover. My friends, th- th- this is free money. Missouri sucks. Um, give me K-State. Give me to them by at least – a score like by at least seven or more. Uh, this is easy. Missouri is they're, they're just <laughs> this is not going to be that that all entertaining of a game. Uh, yeah, give me give me the Wildcats. Yeah, I'm also going to be rocking with the Kansas State Wildcats. They are my pick to win the Big 12. Uh, Texas is uh, still a team that I'm worried about ruining that for me, but I do think that Kansas State still has a chance to at least be the runner up for, for the Big 12. And to I the think UCF Knights, you're right. <laughs> I don't know about that. Gus uh, they barely yeah. won the Harvard Payroll Bowl last week, so this uh chill out a little bit about about UCF competing this year. And then going to go to back to the Big Ten, playing the ACC uh, powerhouse in only basketball. Minnesota travels to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, take on the North Carolina Tar Heels in a game that UNC is favored by seven and a half. Drake May's a dog. UNC to cover. Uh, I'm going to go UNC, but I don't think they're going to cover. I think this is going to be a closer game. Um, P.J. Fleck plays in a lot of close games. I think this one's not going to be any different. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the UNC Tar Heels. Uh, I think that their offense, Drake May is, a uh, like Tar, as you said, a dog. Uh, and I think, I mean, if UNC can find some steam, he might be in the Heisman conversation. Uh, but he just... Needs a defense that's uh, competent. Drake uh, May, you are an Arizona Cardinal. <laughs> I don't. I I don't think he's gonna be any higher drafted than a uh, highly drafted as uh, Caleb Williams will be. If Caleb Williams goes to the draft, my man, he doesn't want to play in Arizona. I, I wouldn't want anyone wish to have to play for Arizona. <laughs> hey, I'm saying is, yeah, I completely agree. I would not want to be in <laughs> in Phoenix, Arizona. As Get a, Owen out of there, bro. And then now for a fun game, we have the Sun Belt playing the Big 12. Uh, we have the South Alabama Jaguars taking on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. OK State's only a seven-point favorite in Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's because Oklahoma State's pretty suspect this year. Oklahoma State, though, no cover. Uh, you know what? I'm going to show some love to my Sunbelt boys. Uh, give me the Jags. Give me the Jaguars uh, to win this game. It's going to be super close. It's going to be probably a three-point game or so. Um, but go ahead and give me Jaguars, man. 
You know, John, you're so intuitive because I am also going to be rocking with the South Alabama Jaguars in this game. I just don't think – I think Oklahoma State is surprisingly 2-0 at this point. I don't – I forgot who the – Un- Unbelievably 2-0. Yeah, I did not think they were going to come out with that win against Arizona State. That surprised me. But I do think South Alabama is the better team, and I think they're probably also in a better spot right now. Also, Oklahoma State's running a five-quarterback system. <laughs> hey, as as a fan of a team that's running the two-quarterback system, I always support playing more quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, why not? One of, why not? one of them has to perform well. <laughs> just put all five of them in the backfield. Screen receivers, just wild card. Dude, exactly. Keep keep that going. Uh, now, good <laughs> SEC versus SEC opponent. You got a rivalry going on. Number 11, Tennessee. Travels to Gainesville, Florida, take on the Florida Gators, and Tennessee is only a six-point favorite for this game. Mr. Conley, go ahead. So this this one's an interesting one because I, I understand why it's a six-point favorite because you have to look at the history behind this. They have not the Vols have not won in Gainesville since 2003. 20 years ago was the last time they won in Gainesville. So there's a lot behind that, and Joe Milton has to find what that. Ability to play that he did against Clemson in the Orange Bowl. He still has to get to that point. He hasn't gotten there just yet. Uh, with that being said, though, I- I'm going to rock with the Vols. I think the Vols have enough firepower on offense to get it done. And, I mean, this Billy Napier team, it's just it, it struggles at times. It, it big. And so um, there's a lot of history writing behind it with, with Gainesville having a, a big winning streak against Tennessee. Um, but I, I think the Vols are going to finally knock that one down. Every streak must eventually die. So I'm just going to go ahead and go now here, Dylan. Uh, this Napier team stinks. Billy Napier is probably not going to finish the season as head coach at Florida. Um, Rocky Top, you'll always be home, sweet home to me. Give me the balls. Balls cover. Balls cover big. Yeah, I'm also going to go Tennessee here. Uh, I, I don't – this game might end up being weirdly close, uh, and Rocky Top will be saying uh, on Saturday night – also, it's like 14 has made me sometimes like hate playing Tennessee because Tennessee will play Rocky Top for like the simplest things. Like I, I tackle on a kickoff return after I just got like 40 yards on it. Yeah, because or, it goes hard. Or I get a 10 yards and I get like a big, big hit and they're like, oh, let's play Rocky Top for this. I mean, it, it's it's a weird thing that it's like 14 implemented to just have them play that for every play. Uh, and Tar, I implemented you a little bit on the next prediction. Uh, I know you're a big Yakit fan. And the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets will travel to Vought Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi, take on the number 17 Ole Miss Rebels, who that scores a liar. They struggled against Tulane last week. Yeah, they did. And uh, Jackson Dart's still good. Uh, he's gotten better and has improved me every single week, uh, impressed me every single week uh, with his continual improvement. Georgia Tech would be a great sneaky upset pick this week. Um, they, they, they really would be, in, in, in my opinion. Haynes King's been balling. Um, Brent Key, the leadership difference between Brent Key and Jeff Collins is night and day. Um, it, it is clear that this team is actually bought in, and it's going to take a little bit of time to get to where Georgia Tech thinks they can be. Um, like I said, they'd be a fantastic upset pick this week. I will not do it. Ole Miss, Ole Miss not, will not cover. I like how you called it an upset pick. Because I've been looking at the Georgia Tech team. And oh, my God, you'll do there's... anything. You'll do anything to, no. to prey on Ole Miss's downfall. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the bit. I live by it. I I would die by it. If I go 0-12 every week on picking Ole Miss games, I will do it. Haynes King 
for some reason, has decided to leave Cod Station, go to Atlanta, Georgia, and then learn how to throw a football. Yep. Georgia Tech has a quarterback that will throw the football well. I have never seen that as, as someone who very rarely watches Georgia Tech. But Tar, I, bet you could also, I bet you could also agree with that statement. Been a long time. <laughs> but sadly, I I don't think Georgia Tech's going to win, but I do think they're going to cover. I'm going to go Ole Miss, sadly. Um, this is a game that I – next. if this game was next year, uh, I, I would be pretty hard-pressed to go ahead and, and actually pick Tech because I, I think – what Brent Key is doing is working. Everyone that I've ever talked to, I have family that's massive tech fans. Obviously, Utah, you're a huge tech fan. You guys love Brent Key, and he's just brought an energy and a culture and has like completely changed that program from when he first took it as an interim. Um, with that, though, this Ole Miss team is super, super talented. Um, Jackson Dart looks incredible. Uh, it's crazy that he may – I don't even know if he'll be – um, in even any consideration or voting for the Heisman just because of what we're seeing out in the West Coast uh, with Sanders boys and Caleb Williams and, and all that and, um, and and everything in Colorado. But uh, give me Ole Miss here to win this game. Uh, next year, though, if, if there's a chance, I think I mean, Georgia Tech's going to be good next year. I, I really do believe that, especially in the revamped um, across-country conference. Uh, that's right. That's, that's going to be there with, uh, with the adding of Cal and, uh, and Stanford. I would say this Ole Miss defense – very, very, very suspect. Yeah, extremely suspect. Yeah. So, I mean, if if there was ever going to be a week for them to lose before SEC play, the Yakets can do it. And believe me, I will be repping my Georgia Tech hat during this game. We already know. Yeah, believe even even though I'm going to be in Georgia Tech Stadium. So, <laughs> I will be wearing it in spirit. And now for a weirdly a weird moral game, uh, you have the BYU Cougars traveling to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to take on the Razorbacks in Razorback Stadium. Uh, Arkansas is currently an eight-point favorite to play the Cougars. Yeah, look, BYU is just not that good this year. Um, Arkansas, Arkansas to cover. Yeah, Arkansas to cover. Sam Pittman um, has has his team rolling really well right now. KJ Jefferson's been playing good. Give me, give me Arkansas to cover. Uh, I don't know about covering. I do think Arkansas is going to win this game. I don't think they're going to cover. After last week, I'm just not impressed with the Arkansas team. Uh, barely beating Kent State 20-6, to but also this BYU team is terrible. Sam Houston State in their first first year in the FBS lost to F, lost to BYU 14-0. to uh, I think this game is going to be weirdly gross. If there was ever going to be a game that was going to end 3-2, to two, it would be this disgusting game. This game is going to be like 10 to seven at half. And then it may be 13 to 10 final score. That is what I am thinking. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to also going to go to the Arkansas Razorbacks here. Uh, I just don't think that the, this game is going to be a fun watch for anybody that chooses to watch it. And now to throw it over to a rivalry that I think needs more love uh, as someone who has one of these sides in his blood. Uh, the Pitt Panthers traveled to Morgantown, West Virginia in Milan Puskar Stadium to play the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, West Virginia is somehow a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That's pretty easy to be a two-and-a-half-point favorite when you're playing Pitt. Pitt reeks this year. I mean, they are they they are really bad. Um, this, is, this is bad versus worse. Um, West Virginia, don't touch the don't, – don't touch anything other than the money line here, folks. Um, matter of fact, just don't touch this game. Um, I'm taking WVU. It, it really could go either way. 
West Virginia being at home helps. Yeah, this is this is as much of a toss up. Uh, yeah, that line is is awful. I would not want to put any money on that line. Um, I will say uh, I will never root for any team called the Mountaineers. So uh, give me the Panthers. <laughs> That's hardcore. What's wrong? Wait, what Mountaineer team are you referring to? The team from oh, Boone, App State. Ah, uh, App State. That that hit me as soon as I I said it. Uh, I do love App State a little bit though. Uh this game this game is weird gross. to me because I have and gross. It's also gross because I have family that's big West Virginia fans, uh, and I have even gone as far. Whenever I would travel to West Virginia, I would wear, bring my pit hat and my Marshall hat and wear those religiously, strictly just to mess with them. But Pitt's not good. Uh, Keaton Slovis is gone. Uh, Phil Djurkovic is here. And Phil Djurkovic is a guy who could be very good at quarterback, but he has just chosen to not be over the past couple of years. And I just, again, like y'all said, Pitt lost to a Cincinnati team. That I, thought, I love Cincinnati. I thought Cincinnati was going to have a down year, but they beat Pitt. And I still think Neil Brown's going to get fired before this football season's over with, but I do think he's going to find a way to win the backyard brawl this year. So give me WVU in in the backyard brawl this year. And now to wrap up our 10-game slate, I picked I, – I miscounted. I actually put up nine games, so I had to add this one in as a late addition. Game day said so this is the game of the week. I don't see how it is, but we're going to predict Colorado State at Colorado. Colorado somehow a 24-point favorite. Uh, there It's in Boulder, Colorado. Eight, Colorado's number 18 in the country. I don't understand how this – I look at the spread. I look at the teams. I look at everything going on. I don't understand how in the world game day is going to this game. Yeah, I don't either. Colorado – Colorado covers. Uh, 24 is huge, but I still think they cover. Colorado State reeks. They've been horrible ever since Mike Bobo ran them into the ground. Um, and Co Colorado is not good either, but they're way better than Colorado State. They've got the dudes – that can just out talent Colorado state. I still want it to be perfectly clear that Colorado, in my opinion, is the most fraudulent top 25 team in the top 25. Um, they are a ticking time bomb, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking the buffs and I'll, I'll be real with you right now. They're fun to watch. They're really fun to watch right now. They will not be when they get to pack, get, get to the gauntlet of their pack 12 schedule. They have Oregon next week, Oregon, they will get their ass handed to them next week. But they're fun right now, and Shador, Shador Sanders is really, really good. So is Travis Hunter, but oh my God, Shador Sanders is good. Yeah. Um, the reason why game day is here is because they want to cover an undefeated, you know, coach prime coach team. And, and would it be awesome to go four and oh, you know, both, both teams, uh, Oregon and Colorado, three and oh, going to Austin Stadium? That would be cool. But they don't want to go to Eugene, they want to stay here in Boulder. and their per their dream scenario is Colorado beats Oregon, and then you have USC going into Boulder. That is the perfect college game day that they want, but they can't guarantee that. And, and I don't think they are predicting it. I think they think that Oregon's going to beat Colorado. I think Oregon's going to beat Colorado. And so because of that, that's why game day is here, so they can go ahead and get the undefeated. Everything's hyped up. That place is going to be crazy for game day. Um, but Colorado's going to walk all over Colorado State. Um, especially with, you know, Dion finds ways to get these players hyped up for any game and every game. And when you heard the comments from Colorado State's coach and Dion saying, oh, this is now personal, this made it personal, these guys are going to want to make a statement over these this team. 
they're going to destroy the Rams. I do wonder where do Colorado and Colorado State fans rank this rivalry at in terms of like college football? Like, do they rank it high? No. So I've never. I, I, I. This is not like a rivalry I take seriously. No. If it is one, uh, I do not think that. I think this rivalry that ESPN is trying to push and that Dion and Colorado State's head coach is trying to push is just isn't working because this game is going to be over by the end of the first quarter. Shador Sanders is going to throw for 300 in the first half. He's going to be taken out. And then uh, whichever Shiloh Sanders might be put in a quarterback just so Dion can prove that he has the athletic genetic, like we've never seen like the old pipe. This game is going to be like gross in the way that you're going to turn this game off as soon as it, as soon as the first quarter ends, because this game's not going to be close. Colorado state is just not a good team. They have never been. As far as I can think of, uh, any team that that takes Jim McElwain and calls him a good coach, I cannot put trust into. And Mike Bobo. And Mike Bobo. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, I don't know the name of this coach, uh, but I'm sure he'll be a SEC head coach or coordinator at some point in his career uh, based on that track record. Uh, hopefully Alabama's. But that's not here or there. Yeah, this game's going to be ugly. This game's going to get ugly. Shador Sanders is going to throw 500 yards. and. Colorado's going to somehow jump up to the top 15 for the Oregon game, and they're going to go back to – they're going to go to Eugene next week. I got money on that. And they're going to bleed this out as much as possible. This is going to be like a 30-year-old cow trying to get milk out of it at the, by the end of the season. I love Deion Sanders. I love Colorado. You need to push the brakes a little bit. On, That's right. On the hype train. That's right. Now, that ends our 10-game slate. I do have a bonus talking point to talk about. Sure. So this week we get another SEC matchup in terms of South Carolina Gamecocks traveling to Sanford Stadium to play the Georgia Bulldogs, who are the number one team in the country. But I don't think it's for a reason. I think it's just because they won the championship last year, so you can't really move them down because they're still beating these high school, uh, <laughs> these high school level teams. Also, nobody's looked great in college football yet. Like no team has looked like a clear number one. Florida? Texas, Texas, Florida State. I would give some props to because they've beaten good teams. Okay. But Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia haven't looked the best. And I give Michigan some props because they're killing teams, but they're also they have the weakest three game slate out of anybody but in FBS. Taking care of their opponents. True. I just don't think Georgia should be ranked number one. But my question is can South Carolina cover against Georgia? That's 27 and a half points. I don't know. I, I hate that answer, but I I mean, my my, my gut tells me yes, 27 and a, and a half is huge. 28 points is a lot. Um, if there's something that we know about uh, about Spencer Rattler is that he's going to turn the football over. Um, if there's something we know about this Georgia team is that if they're going to ride on something, it's going to be their defense. Um, I'll say sure. John, your thoughts? Um, I just looked at I, – I want to do a little bit of math here. Since um, 2019, whenever South Carolina last beat Georgia um, with that team, with, with Javon Kinlaw, that was a fun team to watch. Um, Georgia has won with a uh, plus differential of 20, uh, 29 in uh, 2020, 27 in 2021, and 41 in 2022. Now, the 2022 Georgia team is probably their best team to ever play like that that team was incredible yeah. um this team is not that team but kirby from what he experienced 
three years ago. He never wants that to repeat, and he's going to make sure that that never happens and ever comes close to it again. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I think they'll cover. I think they will. Um, there was a lot of hype going into this game last year, and Georgia just shut it down immediately and, and answered um, a lot of maybe questions that people had because that was also early in the season. Um, right. And so – yeah, I think Georgia gets it done. I, I think it's it's probably going to be right in the middle between the 2021 and 2022 matchup, some 30-point difference. Okay. I don't think Georgia covers. Uh, I think that this team – I don't want to – I'm not going to call them fraudulent because I I've already my, I already thought it was going to be Bama fodder for the locker room this past week uh, for Nick Saban. I don't think I want to be Kirby Smart's made-up uh, chip on his shoulder that he make, comes up with. Every so often, uh, it I work. just it's it works, but also it's so dumb. Kirby Smart paints his paints his players off like they are just freakishly athletic, but also freakishly not smart. That is how Kirby Smart talks about his team. They're like, "Oh, these team is good," but uh, I can trick them into thinking that someone thinks they're going to go seven and five. I think South Carolina is going to find a way to make this game grossly close. I still think Georgia wins by. 17 to 20, but they will not get that 27, 28 threshold. Uh, this is not Carson Beck is not Susan Bennett, which is still a gross thing to say to say out loud. Beamer ball is now an air raid attack because Beamer ball can't run the ball. So that's weird. Uh, they're fun fact. South Carolina's leading rusher is their former quarterback turned wide receiver turned running back. Right. So yeah, to carry on Joiner, who has been there, I think since uh, Steve Spurrier. Yeah, he, he might have been. <laughs> uh, but I, I think South Carolina's going to find a way to make this game close in the halftime, and then Georgia's going to put up ten more points in the second half, and then they're going to win the game by twenty. Yeah, well, I have a quick question, and this is kind of going to be real for the conversation. Uh, at one point, do we just kind of realize that Beamer Ball doesn't exactly work, and that maybe South Carolina should just look. For a different direction. I'm not ready for that yet because I, th- I think it does. Um, and, and and I say this um, kindly because I I hope to God that there's some three or four South Carolina fans that are watching today's show because I'm really about to anger you. There's a ceiling at the University of South Carolina. There, there there's a definitive ceiling. Um, you can say what you want about Clemson being down this year or whatever, and you talk about my horrendous take about. I thought Clemson was going to be so good, whatever. As long as Dabo Sweeney is still coaching at Clemson, USC will never be Clemson. And actually, the the palace that, that Dabo has built at, in, in Clemson, South Carolina, which, by the way, even if this is a down year, it'll be a 10-win season. It's not going anywhere, even years after he retires, rides off in the sunset, whatever that looks like. And that's a long ways off. South Carolina is not a premier destination for football talent. It's it's not. Uh, Columbia is a tough sell for a lot of athletics. Outside of, I mean, Don Staley's mastered in women's basketball. But outside of that, South Carolina is just not what I think a lot of South Carolina fans think they are. I think if you're 8-4, and 93 at South Carolina, and I do think that Shane Beamer can get to being a perennial like at that threshold, I think you're fine. Like, I, I think that that's, that's where you should, you should, I guess the space you should be okay operating with now are South Carolina fans. Okay with that. Probably not. 
because they think they can be national championship contenders. I do think Beamer Ball works for that level, though, if that makes sense. It's it's almost like if you were to put Shane Beamer at, at Georgia Tech and in, in, in or at something of, of of that of that nature, put him at you, you, like a Boston College, so some something on those like perennial strugglers, and you say you can win seven to nine games every year, boosters are happy. Um, I I think that he's a great players coach. I don't think he's the, mo- the most intelligent X's and O's guy. I just, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I he's would, a I would say Beamer Ball is averaging 53 yards a game right now. And they've yeah. played a UNC who doesn't have the best defense. It's, it's averaging 53 yards a game this year. It has worked in the past couple of years. And they have gotten more out of their players than we expected them to. But to Conley's point, it should be on our radar now. It should be saying, okay, has Shane Beamer hit that threshold that this is going to be a low blow, guys, and I'm sorry. Similar to what his dad did at Virginia Tech. Hit that threshold of this is as good as we can be. When at what point do we do we do we say that? And at what point does South Carolina have to make a decision and say, mm, so maybe we think this guy can take us to the next level. Maybe we can win 10, uh, 11, 12 games one season with this guy. Maybe we don't think that's Shane Beamer. But I don't know. I, I it should be on the radar, John. You're right. But I I don't think it I don't think it doesn't work. Does that make sense? Because yeah. they got eight wins last year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree to a lot of your, your points, Tar, of saying, like, I think what Shane Beamer does in the way that he, he obviously, he's an incredible players coach. Players love Shane Beamer and they love Beamer Ball. And at a, a, at a more like mid tier, not that top, at a mid tier, if you threw him in the American or something like that, he would dominate. It, it would be, a, it would be a fun watch. My thing is, is with South Carolina, you are in the SEC. And so there is some sort of higher expectation. Now, yes, there's Vanderbilt. There's Missouri. Missouri's at least been to a couple SEC title games <laughs> since they've joined. Um, back to back. At, at some point, you do you do have to understand that, like, yes, Georgia is is their top dog in the SEC East. Um, you've got to find a way to compete at least a, a couple times. Right. Um, you know, have one year where it's a, it's a down year for Georgia. You can sneak in. Like what, what Florida did in 2020. You know, Florida had a and they had a really good team that year. That was a really, really good Florida team. And Florida's one of the powerhouses of the SEC traditionally. Sure. Um, I just I, I think with South Carolina, I mean Shane Beamer's fun to watch. Beamer ball, when it's rolling, it's fun to watch. My only thing is, is is the beamer ball that we love to watch only really catches fire six, seven weeks a season. Yeah. Um right. and when you're trying to compete in the SEC, it's gotta compete, it's gotta show up nine to eleven. If not all twelve, right? I yeah. I I agree with you completely. That, yeah. That's a, that's a good takeaway and a good way to end today's preview show. Um, got dinner on the stove, so I'm gonna go get me some spaghetti here in just a minute. John, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, brother. Really, really good to see you. Really good to hear from you. Certified ball knower, Swiss Army knife, John Conley. Let everybody know where they can find you and love you and hang out. Absolutely, you can find me on all of my social media platforms at JohnLee49 Instagram. The bird app, whatever you want to call it, it it's there. Um, I'm always down to interact and hang out. I, I love uh, tweeting out and having fun conversations and, and talking ball. That's right. And um, for those of you guys who don't know, John and I are very com- fierce competitors in college football grids. Um, so if you guys want to tweet at John, tweet John what your uh, college football grid score that day is, I guarantee you he will mention it. He will respond to you, and he will definitely mention it to me and say, "How the hell did this guy?" Or he would, you know, "How the heck did this guy uh, get such a low score?" But when you know you and I are over here, like, dude, I got a fifty-seven today. What the yeah. heck? <laughs> but always a pleasure talking ball with you, John.
I'm here, Sitar. I'm back here, Sitar, on the Bird app, on X, whatever you want to call that, on Threads, if you want to come hang out there as well. If you're watching the YouTube stream, the number one thing you can do to support us, we'd love for you to go get a Phil and Loopy shirt. That would mean the world to us. But the number one thing you can do to support us is hit that subscribe button. So like, subscribe, like this video, hit subscribe to the channel, ring the bell so you stay up to date with all the latest content. We've got lots and lots of content. We're continually rolling out week to week right here on the College Loop. It means the world to us. Drop your score predictions on this video. We're ready to hear them. What do you want to see from Auburn on Sanford, uh, against Sanford on Saturday? Want to hear your takes? We'll feature those on the Sunday show. See if you guys, I guess, wish list got answered. If, if uh, I tried Hugh Freeze a clause yesterday, by the way, John did not go well. Oh no, I heard. Uh, so I won't, I won't do that again. But if, yeah, if you that was that was bad on your wish list, we will discuss that on the Sunday live stream. That's seven central or six central, Dylan. Seven central. Seven central. I get it's a whole time zone thing. Yeah, whatever. Six, uh, seven central on. Sunday evening, and we will talk to you guys again then. Dylan, let's get out of here. And of course, I'm Dylan Lark at your boy the tank on Twitter slash X and redirects. But I also see that some of you've also found my Twitter uh, because y'all have been nonstop nagging me on there as well. But of course, it's just right there. Go leave me your takes. Go tell me why you hate Robbie Ashford. Go tell me why you love Robbie Ashford. I will accept both uh, until uh, one of y'all gets proven wrong, and I will be very annoying to that very vocal. Uh, minority. Uh, and of course, if you want to follow us here on the College Loop, you have us here on YouTube where you could like, comment, subscribe, leave your predictions, like Tar said, and also tell us who you want starting quarterback. Uh, and also, what do you want to see from Auburn this weekend before they have to travel to College Station next weekend? And if you have us on social media, you have us on TikTok, Twitter, t- X as well, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm blanking on what I think TikTok. Did I say TikTok already? You didn't say TikTok. I don't think you did. We, we don't use it much, anyways. <laughs> so yeah and of course with all that being said this has been the college loop pregame show for samford <laughs>